Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Hi, and welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and I'm here with Tina Spring. And today, we're going to talk about a really hot topic, and that's doggy daycare. With COVID ending and people heading back to work, uh, I think that they're looking for outlets for their dog who has been home and been able to play and go out and do whatever he wants during the day. But what about that dog that now has to be left home alone when you go back to work? Is doggy daycare a good option for your dog as a way to give him exercise and companionship while you're at work? And the answer to that question is the standard trainer question answer, which is it depends. It depends. It depends on your dog. It depends on the daycare. It depends on all kinds of things. So with that, Tina's going to start off and talk a little bit about one doggy daycare experience that went just a little bit sideways. So you want to tell us about that, Tina? Sure. So uh, earlier in the week, I had a, a consultation with a client that lives in another city Um, Her four-year-old female mixed-breed dog who lives with two small tyrannical, we could even say a little bit nut jobby, um, unfair little dogs and has never, ever had a conflict even when she gets gone after. Um, This dog's been going to daycare for many, many years. Of course, took a break during quarantine, but has been back going for a while now. Um, was at doggy daycare and a tiny breed dog, a very small breed dog was on its first or second day in daycare in the play group. Uh, and there ended up being a conflict and the dog was injured. Dog will survive and be fine, but the daycare contacted my customer and kind of read her the riot act about how her dog was horribly misbehaved and um and isn't allowed back at daycare and she's responsible for medical bills and all of that it was of course you know quite upsetting and worried about the other dog and all of those things and as my customer and I kind of triaged what was going on I asked a lot of questions that the answers to those questions kind of led me to view this as like maybe not an awesomely well-run daycare. For example, there are even most daycares here, doggy daycare, um, have video surveillance and owners at any time, even trainers who are affiliated with owners, can sign in and watch interactions. Um, This daycare doesn't have that, and not only do they not have that, They don't have video surveillance even for their own records. The point of the conflict, there was not, no one saw what happened. Um, The playgroup was a a much larger group of dogs than I would ever recommend for a daycare. Um, I would not recommend a teeny tiny dog in with large adult rambunctious dogs. So, it led to this whole conversation where I'm glad the other dog's going to be okay, that there's not going to be some 
permanent thing. But my customer was really concerned about her dog being unstable. And so we were unpacking that a little bit. And one of the resources that I grabbed for her was Whole Dog Journal in April of 2021. Stephanie Coleman wrote an article for them about, it's called Seize the Daycare, and it's to help consumers evaluate whether or not their dog is a good candidate for doggy daycare and whether or not a doggy daycare is being run in a way that um, is most advantageous for dogs. Um, and so I thought that today, especially with, with COVID restrictions lifting and people wanting to travel, it would be a good time to talk about daycare, the advantages and disadvantages, how to determine a well-run one that's, I mean, you're never going to make it completely safe, but there are things we can do to hedge our bets and to set our dogs really up for success. Um, I agree. I agree completely. And there, um, the Whole Dog Journal has done more than one article on daycare. There's another one here by Pat Miller that I pulled up called Doggy Daycare. Can be a wonderful experience, but is it for every dog? And I really like the fact that she starts the article with five key points about what you should look for in a doggy daycare. And then goes through and talks in detail about some other things, including... Which dogs shouldn't go to doggy daycare? And that might be kind of a surprise. So um, I think that um, I, um, I have a tendency to feel about doggy daycare the, the, the same way I think you might have said this, as I kind of do about dog parks. That, um, that they are something that um, can be great but can be really awful and has, have to be um, managed really well and at a dog parks of course it's you that has to do the managing well and hope that the other owners do their well but at doggy daycare this should be someplace where um it should be particularly well managed and it should incorporate some structure it shouldn't just be a free-for-all and it should include definite down sleep time for these dogs right i think one of the things families often don't, well, one, I would say I do a ton of fear and aggression work across the United States, Canada, and some other countries. It's fascinating to me how many dogs that are not good with other dogs are going to dog parks and daycare. They're, they're gaining admission into a daycare. So I don't know. I think that might be a little bit, I, I always think that the, uh, anyway, that it's, it's, we don't want it to be a free-for-all and that the a well-run daycare can, in my experience, absolutely help a dog who's trying to learn the ropes of social interaction with other dogs. It can be a really big help, but that's, that's kind of like a magical experience that not every community has access to. Um, I agree. I agree. And the other thing is, is, is that, um, if, you're, if your dog it tends to be a little bit shy with other dogs, the last thing you actually want to do is flood him, to put him in a daycare situation where there are a whole lot of dogs in the playgroup. I had one client who was kind of sad because his beagle was taken from the large dog group and put in a small playgroup of only four dogs. And, and I'm like, 
this is a blessing. This is not, he was kind of sad that his dog didn't manage well in the big group. And I'm like, I think it's just fine that he's with four buddies that he loves and things go really well for him. So there's a, well, there's a blessing in there too. I think people expect that the dog should just like play the whole time. And that's a forget about it. Like, no, if, if your daycare, if every time you check the video, your dog is playing, that is bad. That is not a good thing, right? Dogs require way more sleep than humans do. And once they get past, you know, relaxing in play, fatigue kicks in and then you start building arousal. So you start seeing this manifest as a dog who um, is dragging you into the daycare um, or who is reactive on a leash when they see another dog and they're, be they're getting more and more amped up and crazy about being allowed to interact with other dogs. That's all a manifestation, not of socialization, but of high arousal, which is an entirely like that's a different chemical process and one we don't want to build. So again, a really great daycare, and there are really great daycares out there. They understand this because typically the staff are trained in behavior. They're trained how to monitor a play group to know what's appropriate and what isn't appropriate, offering consent tests with the dogs where you give a dog a break if you're unsure and say, hey, do you want to play this way? managing the play styles and the sizes of the dogs. A well-run play group is not a Chihuahua and a Great Dane. That's not appropriate. It's not safe. Playtime doesn't have to be for a particular amount of time. I remember when I was running a, a puppy play group, and sometimes we would have 10-minute sessions. Sometimes Play would get so aroused so quickly. I was breaking up play, oh, I don't know, every 30 seconds or so, getting everybody to calm down and then allowing them to play again. So that, that play time was, was much more structured and was a shorter time because these dogs, actually what they really needed was not to play, but some downtime. And so I think that you, when you're talking to um, or interviewing somebody, you might want to talk to them about how do you manage playtime. And, you know, I, I want playtime to be structured and I want them to have an enough play. But what happens, I mean, does it always have to be, it shouldn't always have to be 20 minutes. You should be able to modify the playtime according to the participants who are playing. And if well, you put a group of dogs together and they don't play, Everybody lays down. Maybe that's a hint that somebody need that they need a nap. Well, or, but that's honestly that's awesome, right? Yes. When we have dogs that are self-regulating and saying, you know what, we're all going to be friends and hang out, but we're not going to necessarily be wrestling one another. That's great. That is right? cool. I I say to people all the time: more courting, less Tinder. Right. Like it's not supposed to be a rave we, when we not every human enjoys going to Times Square on New Year's Eve. I mean, heck, most of us right now, even if we like crowds, are feeling a little icky if people are too close because we're out of practice. So 
you know, I often say Christopher is a jazz percussionist. Mardi Gras sounds awesome to him. I don't like crowds and drunk people. Right. And I don't like super dissonant, busy music. It's too jangly for me. Too many notes to quote Mozart. And so Mardi Gras sounds horrible to me. Right. And I'm social. I like people there. That just that does not sound like a good idea for me. So some of my dogs, my pug could probably go play in pretty much any daycare group and do fine. My Jack Russell would not be a good candidate for all of that because he will tend to overstate his case when he's been put in a position where another dog isn't listening to his signaling. So I like we all need individual different levels of support for social interaction and things that we have our own preferences. Dogs are the same way, too. I mean, one of the things that this article surprised me on, and I was like, the more I read this article, the more I was glad that I recommended it to my customer, was that a playgroup should be likely somewhere between two and five dogs who are beautifully matched for one another. I'm not sure I know a daycare locally that does that. Most of the groups, I think, are bigger. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. That the the fact because it seems to me that that way the dogs can really I think you're going to have far less miscommunication between dogs the fewer dogs you have because when you have fewer dogs who can pay attention to one another and play they can read each other's signals whereas you start getting too big a group of dogs and this dog gets distracted and does something and this dog's distracted and now there's a lot of miscommunication because I didn't see what you were telling me. And so I right. think that oftentimes you're setting dogs up for to become offended, perhaps is a word, by another dog because I can't pay attention to that many dogs at one time. Well, and a good rule of thumb is if you're dealing with your dog and your dog doesn't pay attention to your body language and signaling to the dog, your dog is probably not going to pay attention to another dog's body signaling and communication. And that leads to escalation. So in my experience, a really well-run play group or daycare is putting really good social dogs who are very predictable and very stable and very good at teaching another dog. For example, They'll only escalate to a certain point. And then like a pony that you ran out your quarter, they just stop playing with that dog. Like there is a consequence for being rude that doesn't involve fighting. Often I think we see a puppy, I see a lot in my service, puppies who lack, they're overtired and they lack good social skills being put in the rowdy rover group which in my experience just teaches them how to fight. It doesn't teach them those good social skills. It, it's, I don't know, it's kind of like social media. Like, I don't think social media is appropriate for every single human being because one of the skills you have to be able to have in social media is to not join every argument you're invited into. You have to be able to just walk away and go, you know what, that person... They just have to do them and I'll, I'll do me and it doesn't matter. It's not that big a deal. 
that's a really hard skill for dogs to learn, probably at least as hard as it is for people. Um, I agree. I agree. And one of the things in the Pat Miller article, she talks about dogs who shouldn't go to doggy daycare. And, and I think it's really interesting. She says, um, you know, just because they're social species doesn't mean all dogs get along with one another. You know, humans are a social species and we certainly don't all get along. So she says, if your dog doesn't enjoy interacting with other dogs, he'd likely find daycare a very unpleasant experience and his dislike of dogs will probably get worse. Understand? I think that's a pretty good. Some dogs who are mildly fearful of other dogs may develop greater social skills with a well-run, well-managed, talented staff. But many a fearful dog has become reactive or aggressive as a result of being forced into proximity with other canines. So if your dog's got any kind of fear, then you need to make sure that these people know exactly, this highly trained staff knows what they're doing. Under-socialized dogs who are environmentally fearful and or afraid of humans do not belong at, at puppy play school. A canine bully, which a lot of people take their canine bullies to the dog park to socialize their dog, and all they do is end up sort of terrorizing everybody else. But a canine bully or other dog who's otherwise offensively aggressive towards other dogs is also not an appropriate daycare attendee, attendee and I agree with that. This is the one that surprised me, and I think would surprise a whole lot of other people. Um, it, I mean, it surprised me when I first read it, but the more I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, she's right on target. She says, finally, dogs who suffer from separation anxiety are often horrible candidates for daycare. Owners of dogs with separation anxiety often hope that their dogs will relax in the company of other dogs and humans, and trainers often suggest daycare as a solution for the dog who is vocal or destructive when left alone. But if your dog is at the extreme end of the separation distress anxiety continuum, sending him to daycare doesn't make him any happier and only makes those who have to spend the day with him stressed as well. True separation anxiety in which the dog has a panic attack is separated from the one human he is super bonded to is not eased by the presence of other dogs or humans. So, which makes perfect well, sense to me. Right. It's, it's why I have... Lots of families who, when their dog has separation anxiety, they go and get another dog and it doesn't solve it. And now they have two dogs that freak out when everyone leaves because the stable dog is now made crazy anxious by the dog that's flipping out. You know, I've even seen people at well intended put those dogs in the same crate together. I'm like, for goodness sakes, like if Julie's having a panic attack, do not put she and I in a closet together. It's not going to be good for either of us and definitely not good for our relationship. And I love Julie. Her hair is amazing. <laughs> and you know what? Probably only one of us would emerge alive from that closet. I might take myself out. <laughs> Who knows? Julie's having, yes. I, like, I can't take it anymore. She's flipping out. That's right. right. So Julie having an anxiety attack is not pretty. Just ask my daughters. I imagine. So... So, yeah, so I'm really, I think this is a subject that we're going to find some resources to dig into a little bit more and have some people come talk to us, which I think is fantastic. Um, what I would say is that um, daycare can be absolutely awesome. And daycare can also be a disaster. Um, you know, 
do accidents happen? Sure. Like, just like you and your partner who love and honor one another occasionally have a dust up about something, nobody should get hurt, but feelings get hurt and they get worn out and frustrated. Fine. But your dog should not be coming home with damage. Your dog should not be coming home so tired that they're just unconscious for three days. That's not, that is stress tired. That is not play tired. That's right. The other thing is, is your dog should, the experience that they have at daycare should enhance their behavior, not detract from it. And your right. dog should not come home like there was a, a local daycare, which which has now closed. But the rumors I heard or the things that I found out about, like the dogs came back filthy, covered in excrement. That's completely inappropriate. Holy guacamole. Yeah. And so- one, and then the worst thing was, and people kept sending their dog after this, and I know this was verified to be true, um, an elderly golden retriever was killed. So... I have a story that is completely credible. I know the individuals involved in this story. Um, So there was a relatively new daycare that in an attempt to please a customer, that the two dogs lived in the same household together, a large breed dog and a toy breed dog. And the customer demanded that in order for their dogs to stay at this daycare, the the owner of the daycare must must have the dogs in the same playgroup and the owner of the daycare conceded the ground and put this elderly toy breed dog in to a large dog playgroup because of course you can't put a large dog well i don't know i don't know that you could do either but that's how it emptied out the toy breed dog was killed And of course, then the owners lost their minds. Now, likely the toy breed dog succumbed to old age and a heart condition because this was an elderly toy breed dog who had a known health issue, right? I don't think there was like a big fight that resulted in the death of this little dog. However, one of the things that I think I quickly learned from knowing the players in this particular story, like everyone had the best of intentions. Everyone had well-reasoned reasons for what their perspective is and what they, why they did what they did. And yet it was in hindsight, all of us could see this was a terrible idea, right? So it's not as if your doggy daycare provider isn't pulled by the same urges we all are, that we want to make customers happy. We want the dogs to be happy. We assume owners know things that they may or may not know. Um, it, the daycare in question changed their policies and today would turn away that customer before they would have something bad happen because they felt responsible, even though the likelihood is that might've just been Fifi's time, right? It wasn't, right. it was an elderly dog who could have been home and succumbed to a heart condition. Right. I was just going to say what happened. No extenuating circumstance. I was at my doctor's this morning and um, she, um, she's a DO and she was doing an adjustment on my neck and she and I talked dogs the entire time. 
because she's got, and she said that, that it, they just went, got back from vacation. It was really hard because last year at this time, they dropped their lab off at the boarding facility and 30 minutes later got a call that their dog had died. Just, he was elderly. And so these things can happen. I mean, dogs do die. Um, so you're right. It could have been, that, but it also could have been that, that what happened exacerbated the dog situation. So I, I feel, I have my, my feeling, my heart goes out to everybody. I understand what the owners were saying that these dogs are, you know, best friends at home. We don't want to separate them. I understand the daycare wanting to help out the client saying, okay, well, if you insist and it works out okay, but I also, you know, feel like the daycare was put in a very difficult situation. So, so if that's the situation, what I would have recommended to that daycare owner was put those two dogs in their own play group, in their own suite, take your smallest space, rent that to just that family and rotate those two dogs and just do it that way. So that Exactly. That was what I was going to go to next was that. And, right. And I make a perfectly cogent argument that an elderly toy breed dog doesn't need to be at daycare. Like, yes. that's yes. Like, maybe hire a pet sitter, people. Like, I love you. Let your sweet elderly dog stay at home where he or she is most comfortable and oriented. Because right. Those stress, are... stress is a big thing. It is a big thing. Um, and, and, and if you already have an underlying condition... The stress is only going to make it worse. And so, no, those were, those were two points that I was going to make as well, is that if they want them to play together, then give them a space to do so. And really, is this an appropriate place for your elderly dog to be? One of the things that in the Pat Miller article I wanted to um, just point out real quick, she's got five bullet points at the beginning that I'm just going to go over super quick that I think are important to remember when you're looking for a daycare. One is, she says, research your community's daycare options well and be willing to travel a reasonable distance. Interview your prospective providers thoroughly to ensure you cover all the important questions. Ask for at least three references. Ask the references some of the questions you ask the provider and see if the answers match. Trust your instincts. If you're not completely comfortable with the answers to your questions and your observations, look elsewhere. And then this is the one I think is really important that most people probably don't do. Ask to observe the doggy daycare operation in action. Watch for several hours and look for the use of punishment tools such as spray bottles and penny cans or inappropriate playmate matchups that would rule out the use of this facility for your dog. And I wanted to bring that up especially for the um, discipline one. I think it's really important to find out what do you do if a dog makes a mistake? Well, so I will tell you another customer of mine in a completely separate state was trying to find a boarding facility for their dog that is not easy. And when, and they found this website that recommends that has a list of recommended daycares for aggressive dogs. Many of these daycares, when I went and followed the hyperlinks, all of the dogs had shock collars on. Many of these facilities did not have any crates. They were open facilities. So dogs were laying on their, you know, dog beds with shock collars. Some of them had shock and prong collars on. 
And these were, yuck, these yuck, were yuck, yuck, yuck. as being kind to the dogs and allowing the dogs to have social interaction. If your dog is aggressive with other dogs, that a daycare is not an appropriate choice. And understand that there are websites that simply take money from a vendor to push them business and they don't care about the well-being of your dog. They're selling marketing and advertising. They don't they don't check the qualifications of the the organization that they're pushing business to. They're just preying on people. Yeah. So, and so it really is up to you to to educate yourself. Find out well, the questions to ask and, and observe the daycare and, and make sure that you understand exactly what's going to happen to your dog when he's at this daycare. And, and do you want your dog to be used as bait? Yeah. Right? Like that's, it's completely inappropriate. I, I had an upset stomach following a bunch of these hyperlinks and going, oh my goodness, who thinks this is an appropriate good idea? I would also say watch out. For terms like a dog being dominant or a dog being stubborn or a dog being, you know, where they're they're saying like, oh, we're balanced here in our approach. That is with a, <laughs> to me, that is just a huge red flag and uh, balanced. You run, run in the other direction if they right. say they're balanced. Like, like it is the teacher's job to maintain order and to maintain safety in his or her classroom. It is your daycare's job to manage play groups, both from a health standpoint and from a behavior standpoint, that there is not a lot of conflict. The dogs play for 10 or 20, maybe five minutes at a time, and then they get a break out of sight of the play group and they get to take a nap for a couple of hours and a different group comes out. It is also pay good money for daycare. You do not want some college kid who, you know, watch the dog whisperer for three weeks and loves dogs to be supervising your doggy daycare play group. You want really well-educated, skilled handlers managing that, that daycare group which means you have to pay the, that staff. So if you find a really cheap doggy daycare, be afraid, right? You want really crazy, high-qualified, well-trained staff helping with your dog. Absolutely, absolutely. Because the other thing is, is while you're watching, is what are the staff doing? The staff should not be off in the corner talking to one another they should not be on their phones. They should not be texting. They should be in the middle. They should be there watching the dogs. That's what they're paid to do. And if they are doing something else while their dogs are playing, then they're not doing their job appropriately because they're going to miss the opportunity to de-escalate kerfuffles or dust-ups between dogs if they're not right. paying close or, attention. Right, or give dog breaks. I, I have other customers who gave me access to watch video of their dog at daycare to get me to evaluate how the dog was doing. I dropped in and looked for like five minutes at a time, a few times during the day. And what I saw was while the daycare, there was this one play group, this is not hyperbole and I'm prone to hyperbole. 
had easily 30 dogs in it for one staff member who looked exhausted and overwhelmed. She was cleaning up elimination messes the entire time. All sorts of dogs were having mild scuffles and dogs were being in the corner, all curled up, overwhelmed. And all she could do was keep up with the cleaning. That is not an appropriate doggy daycare. It just isn't. It's not where I would want my dog. Like, I would That's not, not where I, I would want to be, you know? No. Is she is another thing that, that uh, Pat Miller says, as you visit facilities and interview managers and staff, observe the dogs that are present in the daycare centers. They should appear happy, not stressed. Staff should also appear happy, not stressed, and be interacting with the dogs. The environment should be calm and controlled, not chaotic. And your takeaway impression should be one of professional competence as well as genuine caring for the dogs. Right. Trust your instincts. I can't say that any better. Any better. If your stomach goes into a knot and you can't say why, it doesn't matter. Your stomach's in a knot and you've seen something that is upsetting to you. You should pay attention to those gut impressions because they're giving you the truth of the situation. I mean, I will tell you, ask your, if it's a local daycare, ask your vet if they've had to stitch up dogs from going there. Ooh, good ask question. Your vet, right? Yeah. Has your vet been involved in taking care of significant injuries that have come from daycare, right? I mean, I will tell you, the, the, the local dog park here, we, the vets that surround them are constantly having emergency customers come in because the dogs are getting injured playing at, at the dog park. Right. They'll tell you they don't take their dog to the dog park. Because they're like, no, like we're treating injuries from the dog park. Do, is your vet aware? Like, have they had, do, you know, do they see injuries from your local daycare? Right? They, right. they should be able to say, yeah, I mean, we see a lot of daycare injuries. Right. Some veterinarians, we actually have one here local, has a very small play group that they run for dogs that are boarding with them. So if the dog is an appropriate choice and they're they're there, um, they have very well-trained staff who are dedicated to watching signaling and helping dogs be successful. That's a huge boon to your community. And I do want to say, I don't want a bad mouth daycare. Some of them are absolutely magical and are a huge advantage for a community. I wish I could say that all of them were, but how right. do you find a good one? And that's what this episode's about. Right. So we're going to give you links to both of the articles, the one that I have by Pat Miller and the one that uh, Tina has been referencing by Stephanie Coleman. Is that right? Yes. And um, what we hope to do is, is have a dog daycare expert on soon to give us some other ideas about how to look for, maybe there's some uh, quick and easy things you can look for. And is there a place where you can go to find a daycare in your area that has been evaluated by somebody who's reputable? So that might be a possibility too. So we'll see what we can come up with for a doggy daycare expert to provide more information for you than what Tina and I can give in our limited experience. 
But thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Um, is, uh, as Tina said, if you have topics that you want us to cover, rather than Tina came up with this one, probably better than the fleas that I came up with last time. But anyway, <laughs> if there is a theme or an idea that you would like us to cover, let us know. We're happy to divulge or divulge, to dive into a wide variety of topics we know nothing about. And well, some that we do know something about and others that we know a lot about. But uh, we would love to have your input. You the whole dog journal. Like, I'm going to say, yes. like, obviously, like, we're, we're using them as a resource last episode and this episode. Um, I have on and off for about 30 years been a subscriber to Whole Dog Journal. I recommend it to families constantly as a really great, reputable source for information. I do too. I do too. It, it really is fabulous. Families are getting pulled by a lot of different factions, right? what the vet says and what the trainer says and what the daycare says and what their neighbor says and what their cousin Mildred says. So um, I love, I really, really love that the whole dog journal um, is very, very reputable and works really hard to be reputable and is just a fantastic resource. It is. And I know that the people that they have who are regular contributors, like Pat Miller is one of my heroes and uh, Stephanie Coleman, we've had a we, the woman we had on talking about neutering. She writes regularly for the Whole Dog Journal, so they they get very reputable people who know what they're talking about and experts in their field. And I certainly reference them a lot and can't recommend them highly enough. Um, I've been a, a subscriber for a very long time, and I have them all indexed and in my closet. So that's the other thing, beauties. They they will give you an index at the end of the year of all the issues and what they cover. So what I do is I print that off and then I put it at the front of my binder that has all my whole dog journals so I can easily reference it. And if you look up an article on their website, they'll even tell you when it was published so you can find your back issues. So they make it very easy for you to, to get issues. And the other thing is, is what I was going to say, is like the, the doggy daycare issue by Pat Miller that I have, the article I pulled up, it was originally 2010 and yet it was updated. They also go back and they update their um, their articles, which is great, so that they stay current with all of the things that they're talking about as well. So, there you go. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.